0: Welcome to the official Black Country Healthcare podcast, Mind Over Natter. This week's topic, we're discussing eating disorders and eating habits during the pandemic and lockdown. Today, we're joined by three amazing staff members from our eating disorder service. So, would you like to introduce yourselves?
1: I'm Serena, I'm the dietitian um, that works for the eating disorders team. Uh, my name's Rachel Buckley, I'm one of the team leads for the eating disorder service.
2: Um, My name's Heidi Turner. I'm one of the nurse practitioners.
0: Lovely to meet you all. So I suppose we're going to jump into some of the burning questions we have about eating disorders um, during lockdown. But I think first we'd like to sort of like tell our audience, um, I guess, a bit more about eating disorders and sort of like talk about, especially people who don't know much about it, sort of like what is an eating disorder and sort of like the common symptoms to look out
3: for. Okay, so so um we know that anyone, sort of regardless of sex, age, ethnicity, background, can develop an eating disorder. I think commonly it's been seen that it would be young women, um, but that's a stereotype that we're, you know, trying to move away from to encourage people to get help. Um but I think the typical things that you see are perhaps that people become more and more focused on how much they're eating, or maybe limiting amount the amount that they eat. Or you might also see that people are eating very large amounts Um, at once as well. Um, The other thing you see is that they they may be very focused on getting rid of food or calories, energy that they've had, um, which we might term purging. So that could be making themselves sick, exercising excessively, um, or using laxatives or other means. Um, Or you might see a combination of those things.
0: Would you say that the current pandemic and the national lockdowns that we've had in the UK has had a, um, an impact on people developing an eating disorder? Would you say there's been a rise or a decrease in people developing an eating disorder?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think in, in terms of our work, I think we've definitely seen increases in referrals to our service during this pandemic. Um, but I think as well, this is something that's very new to everybody, and I think it's um, it's not something that we've we've managed or, or dealt with before. Um, I think what I kind of um, associate to increasing kind of warning signs for, for eating issues are things like disconnection or you know, disengagement and, and loss of resources and relationships and I think during this pandemic I think you know we're not able to have connections, we're not able to, to go and be part of our education systems or necessarily our jobs. Those things that might keep us you know, stable uh, manage this a little bit better. So I think that particular um issue has is, is, is heightened perhaps what we're seeing and, and that that amount of referrals currently. I
2: think even speaking to the um the patients themselves, they would they would say that you know they feel like during the pandemic they've had lack of control over what they're able to do and, and by reaching out to you know controlling the food and you know how they manage that, that's helping them get some control back.
3: Okay. Yeah, I think we we've definitely seen an increase, particularly in our young people, yeah. coming to us and I think that's probably mirroring what's happening nationally, particularly like young people are coming and they're presenting late as well. We've seen that.
1: Yeah, we've um, seen a lot more what we would kind of class as probably potentially more unwell young people as well, you know, and adults actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And again, that's probably, you know, accessing appointments and and, and getting, you know, seen and, 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 and or missed in systems. You know, sometimes if it's young people, you might notice changes in um people during school or, you know, colleagues might notice things or but I think it's um definitely seen a big increase, haven't they? Yeah, and, and that like
3: Rachel said, you know, that focus on controlling weight and shape um is perhaps coming out when people aren't able to control their daily lives and, and are losing those those social norms and aspects. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we've we've definitely seen an increasing trend. We need to sort of collate sort of what our figures are looking like really, but I think they're going to sort of match that national picture. And that we know that these eating disorders thrive in isolation as well. Mm-hmm. And remembering going back to eating disorders, that their you know their mental illness is where actually the eating behaviours are coming about because people you know cannot control other aspects of their lives, um, whether that be different difficulties in relationships or anxiety. Yeah.
1: Uh, and we see that general. I think we see that generally, don't we? Um, and then you have the pandemic and the lockdown on top of that, that. That level of predictability is completely, you know, out of control. So more so, you know, if they're highly anxious, um, putting in more of those predictable patterns, restriction, or you know, not being able to, to manage that. So emotionally eating more, or you know, those sorts of presentations.
3: I think we've seen as well that people are becoming really focused on exercise generally. Um, probably cover that more later but and that that's helping like exercise and healthy eating and, and it's really triggering for people perhaps people that have been known to us before are coming back as well that's something else i think we've noticed mm-hmm.
0: what advice would you um currently give to someone who is um self-isolating and are struggling with an eating disorder because you mentioned briefly about um people struggling with isolation I suppose as well with the whole sort of like especially with some people that might be at home struggling with it or they don't have the, the usual sort of network groups to go to um so what advice would you give to somebody i think initially it's
3: talking to somebody that you trust mm-hmm. because as we said they thrive on you being alone and isolated and um you might notice that change in behavior of somebody you know that you're close to so i think that first step we'd say you know try and talk to somebody that you trust whether that be um that could be different people, it could be a family member or a friend, it could be a healthcare professional, it could be somebody at school um or at work that you trust. Um and really those first steps to getting help are, are maybe getting that support to book a GP appointment as well. Yeah.
1: And I think it's interesting. you know, it's 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 interesting. We we need to also remember that, you know, especially if I'm thinking of anorexia specifically, you know, Serena's absolutely right, it thrives in secrecy and, and a lot of our work, psychologically and therapeutically, it can be quite difficult to get people to, you know, trust or engage um, and the eating disorder that they create is almost like a relationship of sorts. Um, so if they can't access that themselves, if it's not that easy to talk to somebody because we do get that, don't we? They will mm-hmm. say it's really difficult, you know, when they're going through some recovery. it's. If they live in households with other people, it's it's advice to those guys to say, do you notice changes in those family members or in your you know if you're working with people and what are you noticing? And it isn't always necessarily those weight and shape issues that we would think about. It can be people being irritable, withdrawn, changes in behaviours, you know, um, doing things that perhaps is outside what they might perceive as their normal kind of routines. So I think it's just being aware and, and then addressing that in ways of of trying Mm -hmm. to hook into what might that be about you know and encouraging people to reach out because they can become very unwell very quickly and that's something that's much harder when services do access you know especially young people it's much harder for us to to support them and and help them quickly so Mm -hmm.
3: We know that the earlier you get help, the better the treatment outcomes generally are. I mean, it's um, never impossible to recover from an eating disorder, but the earlier you get help, that's what the research shows us, the better. Um, and you know, you know, like Rachel said, with anorexia, it does thrive in isolation and, and, and you being alone. So, and often actually for people perhaps living Um, with concerns of somebody that might be developing an eating disorder that denial like Rachel said is is a feature of anorexia that they might think no there's not a problem here you know a lot of our young people that we're most concerned about come and say oh there's nothing wrong with me you know what are you making a fuss about Mm -hmm. um that's a feature of anorexia actually and that's important to recognize but also binge eating disorder I think that's the one um you know one in 50 of us at some point could develop binge eating disorder and there's a big what I see in adults that come through sort of a lot of stigma and shame around that, that um, I think these stereotypes are quite dangerous. Everybody coming into a knee disorder should be underweight and female. You know, um, we treat binge eating disorder as well. And these people really, really struggle with accessing help. Um, so it's important just to try and get them talking. Um. And making that's those first steps
1: yeah. and i think that's that's those first steps. and being said for what we because we also work you know with atypical which is you know you won't necessarily notice weight loss or changes in shape it will be those behavioral changes or um differences around meal times or you know going straight to the toilet or the bathroom after we've had something to eat you know those mm-hmm. sorts of things that are, are new new behaviors maybe
3: you know and, and all people with eating disorder deserve that help as well Regardless of you know where, you know like they said they might not necessarily come in and, f- and fit our diagnostic criteria straight away, but we're able to be more flexible now in how we're treating them.
0: So a lot of people in the UK have said that the um, the pandemic has more or less changed their routine, their mood, you know, from like exercise with gyms being closed and not being able to go out to certain areas to um get a routine in or to stress eating. Because a lot of people are now working from home or have seen like an increase in demand for what they're doing and that's fact, like experience like weight gain or weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, What advice and support would you give to someone who may be worried about a change in their weight and eating in this stressful time?
1: Mm, So that's an interesting question for me because I think it's about you know the relationship that they have to that um, isn't it? Yeah I think
3: like for everybody in this pandemic it's all about these huge changes to our daily lives Um, you know we've all lost routines having to work differently Mm. Uh, and you know when they're looking at um, there have been some surveys done for example like we found that people are drinking more and maybe looking eating more comfort food sugary food that type of thing but it's recognizing that actually all those sort of perhaps those uncomfortable feelings we're dealing with the anxiety, stress boredom are all linked to perhaps emotional eating as well and recognizing that and i'd say it's you know people can often feel quite alone and again going back to that stigma and isolation it, it's about talking to people and um and being kind to yourself as well, you know perhaps looking at small goals that you can achieve rather than setting yourself you know a, you know it's, it's about for me as a dietitian people not embarking on drastic dieting and weight loss attempts because we know that by cutting out meals for example you know you're setting yourself up to eat more later on and and maybe that can drive binging behavior we know that from the research so I'd say you know looking at some small manageable goals but, but really just being kind to yourself and recognizing this is a really unusual difficult time for everybody
1: and I think for, for eating disorders specifically, you know, we know that they are very dangerous and that they impact on us physically. However, for the person that potentially is, is struggling with that, do they actually see that as a struggle? Because a lot of the time, they will talk about the relief, the sense of comfort, um, the need to have to—I don't know—sometimes just empty. And and when you kind of delve into some of that, you know, that's absolutely linked to, you know, that's quite a punitive relationship with yourself if you're doing some of those things. And it is about, you know, self-care and. And, and comfort and trying to kind of hook into some of those resources that, you know, do make us feel good or have done. Um, and in a pandemic, that is quite difficult. And I think, you know, even uh, eating disorder or not eating disorder, I think it's difficult times for, for everybody, predictability, routine, um, you know, not knowing what's gonna happen and, and, and what's next. And I think, you know, we are feeling out of control. I mean, yeah, so. Really?
0: I think what you said about being kind to yourself is something I have to keep telling myself sometimes as well when it comes to things like this because mm-hmm. you're right there is no sort of right way to act in a, a way in this time I guess because everything just keeps changing all the time and mm-hmm. I don't know about you but I, I'm constantly like sort of like being critical over myself in terms of maybe I shouldn't have eaten that but sometimes I'm like well actually I've had a really stressful day you know I didn't expect it to turn out like this and I've heard something on the news which makes it even more stressful mm-hmm. and you know I shouldn't have to sort of I guess be critical of myself and saying you know I shouldn't have done that you know think about the future think about what happens after lockdown as well sometimes I think about like you know what people are going to think about so I think being kind to yourself is a really important message
1: and asking that question you know I I say to especially some of the younger people who are there I say you know what have you done this week to be kind to yourself how would we know and it's really interesting how actually you know I, I maybe haven't or how could I or how could we and you Know it's just, um, we get into patterns and you know, we do what the brain's very clever, you know, whatever calms the brain, it tends to go to that you know, um, way of, of coping. And it, it may not be a healthy strategy, but when you're in that cycle, um, it's, it can be sometimes just in, difficult to intervene yourself and by yourself. But I think you know, um, definitely kinder to ourselves, <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, things like you know, I mean, it's, it's whatever you know, we treat our. Um service users as individuals, you know they come to us and they've got their own strengths and talents, and it's utilizing that, or you know could could they do relaxation um you know exercise as long as it's a healthy relationship with exercise i mean it's it's important to look at individual strengths I think and you know setting those small goals rather than really unrealistic and manageable ones and I don't think social media use has helped either because more people are focused on that for more time during the day um which is not sort of re- realistic, really. Um, so, to taking some time out for you, I think, as Rachel said, it's is really important.
2: I think it's just important to remember that everyone's going through it. It's a battle that we're all facing, and regardless of whether you're professional, whether you you know you're just a regular patient, um, we're all going through the same battle. We're all finding our own ways of managing and coping. Um, you know, obviously, we're choosing different avenues for that, but we're all kind of in it together so i think it's just recognizing that you know it's a world thing we're all going through it
0: mm-hmm. i guess it sort of comes back to one of the points i made earlier um but i suppose one of my worries um personally is i um, after a period of not seeing a lot of like my friends or family from across the uk um I'm, you know people might be um concerned about socializing again in case any comments are sort of made around i guess their change in sort of like their body weight the way they look their routine or potentially a new habit they've picked up and i guess For me, um, and for anybody else actually, what advice would you give to someone sort of like returning back to an environment with more people, more people that they've known for a while or a social group and are worried about like, you know, some of the things they might say or some of the comments they might come across?
2: For me, I'm kind of thinking that kind of just back to what I've just mentioned in the Mm -hmm. last question in that, you know, we're all going through it in some degree Mm -hmm. and we're all finding ways of managing it. So I think if we turned up and and saw somebody we hadn't seen for a long time, I think we'd all recognise actually, you know, what have we all been through the last year? So I don't know whether it would raise questions in other people because it's kind of like they would know that mm-hmm. stuff's been going on yeah I, don't know.
1: And I think you know if some if we're asking the question around i don't know say some changes in weight or shape because you know that's what we're looking at when we think about eating disorders and, and diagnostic criteria and 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 i think you know if if somebody has changed in weight or shape and someone else was to comment on that now if i asked any of you guys here what that feel like yeah. um, i think we'd all have our own relationship to it you know and that will come from our experiences our belief systems and our our influences socially okay um, but i think when you might say that to somebody who has an eating disorder um, it's an interesting question because it's called an eating disorder because it's a disordered perception of, 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 of self of weight of shape you know we have very very unwell people who will absolutely categorically convince you that that is not what they see you know and it's going through that unwell that unwell filter you know so i think yeah that would be very difficult i think it would be difficult for anybody Mm. um and i hope people are kinder than don't go around sort of saying (laughs) those things um but i think you have to you know we can't control how others are we can't control what others say and i always say to a lot of people i work with we can control our response to that Mm -hmm. uh, and we can think about that together um you know, we have a, you know lots of people that go through lots of different types of trauma and relationship difficulty that come into our service. So I think it's just being mindful. That's what I'd like to say to that question. I think it's like we have we have young people who have been out of school for extended periods of
2: time and they, their concerns are going back to school once they've, you know, weight restored and they look completely different to they did, you know, eight months ago. Um, and we work with them, you know, in, in how they're going to manage that in going back to school. And I think it's a similar situation, isn't it? You know, people are going to notice that they look different, but it's about learning how to
1: manage that and how to take on board what, what other
2: people are saying.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, it's widening it up because, you know, if somebody said to me, oh, what have you done to your hair? That's terrible. You're going to have it, you know, still equally, kind yeah. of, you're going to have a response to that. So, yeah,
3: I think I have a lot of um, thinking more of my adult clients come to me saying that when, you know, they were at work, that perhaps colleagues would be talking about their dieting attempts or weight loss programs, and they find that really triggering, really difficult to manage. And the type of advice i give would be, you know, you need to go think about what you're doing, focusing on your own goals at the moment. And it can be really hard to sort of shut that out um, when you are suffering with an eating disorder. But it's about focusing on, I think, your own goals and going at your own pace. Like Hayley said, recognising that we're all in this boat, we're all sort of going back. And, you know, if you can talk to supportive friends and colleagues and, you know, if you have got people sort of saying unkind stuff at work or at school it's, it's getting support with that perhaps from your employer or, or from school as well because like I you hope people are going to be kind but sometimes it's how that's interpreted or, or how people might find that triggering as well
0: going back to one of the points you said about um, social media in one of the early questions so one in lockdown um, I've definitely noticed is that more people especially young adults have been more drawn to social media and you know um, lots of trends that's happening on like Instagram and TikToks like to sort of like stay connected and keep up to date with the latest sort of like news that's happening and one of the um topics that does keep coming up um, during this pandemic and during the lockdown is um, I guess body image and keeping fit and lo- looking a certain way to sort of like I guess sort of stay relevant in social media sort of like I guess promote a bigger presence online Um, so how what advice would you give to someone who's worried about their sort of self-image on social media on their online profiles and what advice as well would you give to I guess sort of like concerned parents who might be worried about their, their children on social media?
1: Hmm. I think again that's so I, I think of this I think everything is it's all a, about balance really that on social media I think there's a lot of information it's lots of differing information about lots of different things keeping fit being healthy and it's you know understanding some, some of that um, it can be a bit of a minefield I think but I try to think about um if I went back in time when I was younger, social media probably didn't really exist totally as it does now. <laughs> and what would a pandemic like before, you know, people going through this without so some of those connections? So I think you know there are very many helpful parts of social media, but then there are also very damaging parts of social media. Um, and I think it's, it's knowing that it's not real. You know, I follow a lot of, um, um, on my own Instagram, I follow a lot of recovered um, people from, who've gone through eating disorders who are recovered. And they do a lot of stuff around what you see versus what's real and i think it's really interesting and i've learnt a lot from it and a lot of young people who we work with who are and and older adults actually that are, are going through that you know getting better are starting to kind of you know we work that way with some of them but i think it's just knowing that actually what you see isn't always real um and when you're perhaps in isolation and you're on your own and you're feeding into that and seeing that every day that that's really hard to perhaps challenge but you know, and and parents that are worried, you know, it's just monitoring what what young people are watching, what they're seeing and education, good education around. I mean, Serena is in our team, you know, without her, we would be really struggling because she's the person that is able to educate our young people and older people about, Mm. you know, good nutrition and, 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 you know, it's all about balance and moderation, isn't it? Yeah, it
3: is. And you see, like, I think, like you say, people are using social media more, they've got maybe more time when they're looking at their phones. And, and how helpful is it? You know, I mean, I see as a dietitian, you, you know, you've only got to look at Google and type one nutrient in, you get this whole host of confusing stuff. It's good for you, it's bad for you. You know, superfoods, good foods, bad foods, really, really can be really damaging. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff on there that isn't teaching young people and well, anyone, any age, you know, you know, good, sound nutritional advice. And I think it's around, you know, also like Rachel said, social media isn't reality, you know, on the likes of Facebook and Instagram, other social media platforms. You're not going to put your bad days on there. You put your sort of best filtered. You know, we've got like really Filters on Snapchat, absolutely not. I, I do not like them because they're not real. Um and it's just it's not real life, it's not real bodies. And we've got to remember that some of these people in the public eye, like models and um and athletes, you know, they're and gym enthusiasts, when you've got to look at the front cover of a magazine as well, you know you know what you see. Um, that's their job. And, you know, it's not always healthy either. Um, and there has been some positive stuff to try and change that a little bit, but not enough, in my opinion. So I think it's recognising that it's not normal life, it's not reality. And and it's harmful and it can, can damage self-esteem. So it's like of using it, find that balance, using it in a positive way. Looking at, I'd, I'd always encourage people to look at things like the NHS, British Dietetic Association, information on... Um, food facts for example or the british nutrition foundation they're good platforms that give you sort of sound nutrition advice which involves regular eating of, of your major food groups for example you know and it's um it's maybe setting limits as well for, for parents it, it's really difficult because there are some really good stuff on there as well mm-hmm. like relaxation but you know setting limits on perhaps apps and things that aren't helpful or noticing you know is that having an impact on your mood? Um, is, is it you know damaging your self-esteem making you feel awful about yourself if so replace it with something else you yes. know, can you can you change or reduce your time on that and maybe spend that time without your phone you know having having a bit of peace from it as well because it's, it's almost a constant now isn't it
1: and i think it's the same with exercise isn't it because we're in the pandemic we're on you know we've been locked down and the encouragement is to, you know to get out there get stay healthy stay you know um clear the mind and all that sort of stuff and promotion and absolutely yeah i agree i think you know exercise is really really you know a, a good a good thing to do but if you're doing that every second of the day or you're getting you know um, obsessional about that and it's starting to make you warm well then you know that that's not that's not the right way to go is it so i think you're absolutely right it's about moderation and how much it starts to affect you know your whole daily life um, we have a lot of People in our service that you know get very addicted to the likes of the Fitbits and the the trackers and then the counting steps. Well, you know when things are unpredictable and they like that predictability, these numbers become mm-hmm. quite you know they marry them, don't they? Sometimes and, and and we really you know have to get them away from that and to know that the world won't implode if they don't you know monitor that. But it feels sometimes like it's going to. So I think you know it, it, it is very much. And knowing the balance, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, no, that exercise isn't good, or, or too much of this isn't. And it goes back to that, you know, the information you get on social media or on the internet. But it's just, it's just knowing what's, you know, appropriate, really. I suppose in terms of health.
0: No, oh, thank you. And I guess I suppose um last sort of question really is, um, you know, if I guess for everyone really, um, if you knew someone that was worried, or if you yourself was worried that someone they know. um, has an eating disorder um, what do you think they should do Um, do in terms of like you know what's the best approach if you were worried about you know someone you haven't spoken to in a while or you know someone who before the lockdown might be developing an eating disorder what's probably the what's the best thing to do especially in these sort of lockdown times
3: I think it's having that initial conversation I would say I don't know what the others think but I think it's about you know if you're worried about a loved one you know, I think it can sometimes, um, maybe for parents or, or loved ones, they find it, you know, how how on earth do I approach this? And it can be really difficult. But just making those first steps, um, maybe finding a quiet time, um, not necessarily when they're eating either, um, mm-hmm. or just afterwards, but finding a quiet time to have a conversation, just letting them know you're there for them and that you're concerned, maybe acknowledge that you've seen that they're struggling. Um, how can how can I help? um and, and trying to help them to make those steps to perhaps seeing their gp or, or if they don't feel they can do that they may be looking at some support platforms so beat for example has has some good groups or online chats you can go on to and access support if they don't feel they can do that but i guess the difficult thing is if, if the person that you're worried about doesn't want to get the help like we spoke about before that you know with anorexia for example they can really be in denial So it's about just keep going back to that really and offering that support and that time and space and remembering that, you know, this is an illness Um, and I think sometimes people can become really frustrated or, you know, cross with their loved ones or, or not know what to do, but ju- just sort of that sort of supportive first conversation, I'd say.
0: And I think that as well as the first conversation is probably what a lot of people are worried about in terms of like, I'm a bit worried if well, to sort of turn around back in anger and say, you know, how dare you suggest this? Yeah. Or, you know, you've yeah. been staring, you know, looking at me or observing me for that long to make this judgment. And I think that's yeah. sort of like, you know, the worry that some people might have in terms of, you know, what happens if I get it wrong, if they react badly to what I've just yeah. said? I think we have a
1: lot of um, in the CAMS part of the survey, I think we have a lot of parents like that. I mean, I know that parents—it's almost like the elephant in the room. They know that their their young ch- child or, uh, or young person is is uh, you know uh, decreasing, say, in weight or um, you know, patterns have changed and behaviours changed. Yet they don't approach it in fear for making it worse. Um, and actually, you know, some of that, I, I think, it, it, you know, it, it feeds into it, doesn't it? Really, we, we find it. We have to do quite a lot of work with parents. Um, Um, to 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 not be afraid to have those open conversations because especially again with restricted type eating disorders we they thrive like serena says in secrecy and the more that we step away from that the bigger they get Mm. um but absolutely finding help getting help and the quicker the better we need we need them to be thinking
2: about you know the the people that they have good relationships with and sometimes we find you know whether it's teachers that are observing the observing young people at school or whether it's the school nurses you know we have people phone us with concerns and asking us for our advice you know they know that we were a service um, and sometimes we just get those kind of contexts. you know we're worried about this young person and if the the parents don't feel like that they can have that conversation sometimes it can come from another channel Um, but yeah I think very much that it's that reaching out and just trying to have that conversation but like like they've both said you know anorexia is just going to It's just going to try and hide away, isn't it? So it's about maybe monitoring it over a certain period of time, and then maybe just having a chat yourself with your GP without the young person or without the the, the family member being there.
1: And and like I said, you know, even if it was something like bulimia, bulimia nervosa, and somebody who's purging, if that purging and stuff starts increasing, you know, you've got to be mindful of their health, you know, physical health, because it can deteriorate quickly. So absolutely, you know, it's just knowing, um, you know, the, the, the kind of warning signs, I think.
3: Yeah, and recognizing that they may feel you know they might feel like they've not got a problem and that might actually be their illness if it's anorexia or they may be feeling really ashamed um mm-hmm. if perhaps they're overeating um and sort of just opening up that conversation you know you don't necessarily have to talk about weight, shape, size, food at that time in fact that might not be helpful, but just opening up that space and getting that support level like just the earlier the better um because we are getting too many referred to like yeah. Yeah, and recognising that they may feel, you know, they might feel like they've not got a problem and that might actually be their illness if it's anorexia or they may be feeling really ashamed um, Mm -hmm. if perhaps they're overeating um, and sort of just opening up that conversation. You know, you don't necessarily have to talk about weight, shape, size, food at that time. In fact, that might not be helpful, but just opening up that space and getting that support like Rachel said, the earlier the better um, because we are getting
2: too many referred too late. I know you mentioned B earlier, but that's you know it's an excellent website and there's a lot of resources yeah. on there for actual for patients, for young people, for adults, and for parents and carers as well, um, for schools, for professionals. It's just you know it's just a fountain of, of advice on there, isn't it? Yeah. So I think even if you can't have that conversation, maybe just you know direct the person yeah.
1: to the website. Really, and I think it's it's a good pointer to know that you know our services, especially for eating disorders, you know we have very good access to waiting times. We we see people quickly, you know, mm-hmm. usually within a month, don't we? So services you know, can pick people up quickly. We are picking up people aged 16 to 25 in the free Part of our service
3: now, aren't we? Which is Early Intervention for Eating Disorders. And they, um, their website actually has some really good resources as well. Just thinking of resources that people could go to to maybe give um, young people or anyone, you know, um, beat, beaters for all ages, um, resources and support um if, if they're sort of on the fence about getting that support like Hayley said it'd be really helpful to to just just try and get them some information and get them to have a look
0: well thank you very much guys for joining me today that was really really like you know very informal really educational and really useful for us and hopefully to everyone who listens to this podcast as well um, i will be sharing as well some of the resources that you spoke about in today's session as well on our social media so other people can access them as well and on our website um, but other than that, thank you so very much for joining us today. And um yeah, yeah. no problem. Um I hope you enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.